Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Pro Football Blitz with former Super Contest winners Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN, the sports betting network. Welcome back into the Pro Football Blitz. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you. Hour number three of the program, and they are at the half in Lambeau Field. The Minnesota Vikings trailing the Green Bay Packers 20-3. to For your entire game, the Green Bay Packers are 22.5-point favorites at this point. That's almost double where they closed prior to kickoff. And your total exactly where we started prior to kickoff at 425 uh, James, the halftime line, the Minnesota Vikings are catching three and a half points. And uh, I'm definitely not trying to talk you into another bet here. I know you told me in the last segment you are done. Um, but I'm kind of with you that this Minnesota team, at least the defense, I'm not so sure about the offense. Mannion looks like he's trying to compete and have himself a day in the NFL there on national TV. But uh, the defense looks to have maybe checked out, especially on that last drive before the half where Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams hooked up for a touchdown. Um, I'd probably be wanting to lay the three and a half before I took it. I'd be laying it too. I wouldn't be taking it. I I just think what'll end up happening is you're you'll see the Packers. I think the Vikings get the ball to start the first to start get the ball first start the second half. But what, how long are we going to see Aaron Rodgers out there? They go down, they get two scores out of it. Now you're going to be looking at you know fourth quarter garbage time here. Uh, are, uh, the Green Bay Packers are going to play that soft that soft defense like they just did to close out the half. I don't I don't want to have to rely on a bunch of backups or Sean Mannion to have to make something happen at the end of the game and and see where we're at with a bunch of guys who are just really wanting to get off the field come fourth quarter cuz it will be a blowout. Do we want to at least for me, I'm not going to get involved anymore and I don't want to have to depend on a bunch of backups or Sean Mannion to have to backdoor cover or have to rely on that Green Bay defense in that fourth quarter that's going to be looking ahead to getting into the locker room and clinching the number 1 seed in the NFC cuz that's what they're going to do with a win tonight. And again, the Minnesota Vikings catching three and a half points for the second half. Your total is 20. And again, right now, 20 to three, the Green Bay Packers out in front. Uh, We touched on this briefly in our best bets segment there, James. The Miami Dolphins were riding a seven-game winning streak. They were on a short week in Nashville. They had just won that game over the New Orleans Saints on Monday night. 
and the Tennessee Titans were on extra rest. They had beaten the San Francisco 49ers last Thursday. Tennessee closed as three-point favorites with a total of 41. It looked like the Dolphins actually saw some money here. Uh, in the uh, Westgate contest, I believe it was, the Tennessee Titans were three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, there were some three-and-a-halves out there in and out throughout the week, and it closed, like I say, at three. It looks like there was some late buy on the Miami Dolphins plus the hook. Uh, but similar to the Jaguars and the Patriots, this was a one-way street here in Nashville as well. The Titans led 17-3 to at the half, and they doubled it up in the second half. 34-3, to your final here. Game stays under the total. And the Tennessee Titans, all of a sudden, hoping to get Derrick Henry back in the lineup for the postseason. They are currently holding on to the number one seed in the AFC. Well, and here you go. All they have to do now is win that final game, and that game will be played at Houston. And I'm sure Houston's going to give some really good effort. But if you have the number one seed on the line to win a game at Houston, I think that's where Tennessee, plenty of motivation going into the final week of the season for the Titans team. And I think we saw this Titans team revert back to what they want to be, what their identity is as far as rushing the football that's what it was against this Miami. It was, in in a sense, that at least it felt like a closer game. Maybe because I did, I got involved. There was I took the Tennessee Titans minus the three. At one point, it was close to kickoff, and they were minus three plus one hundred. And the more that I was on this, thinking about it, going against Tua and his passing yards for one thing, but just felt like that it was really this Miami team had been very fortunate through and they can only play who's in front of them and can only take on teams based on, you know, whatever their roster is at that time. But really a favorable schedule put them in position to be where they were at. And they won the games that they needed to win that were in front of them. Good for them. But this was going to be a different challenge for them going on the road, playing against the hungry Titans team that, it felt like once Derrick Henry was lost that everybody said, well, the party's over for this Tennessee Titans team. And I think for head coach Mike Vrabel, defensive-minded coach, great linebacker, tough-minded linebacker back in the day, especially when he was playing with New England and Bill Belichick, uh, latter part of his career, that that's kind of the identity of this team. We're going to be tougher and we're going to be more physical than you and we're going to challenge you. and We're going to see, can you hold up? What is your... What is your we're going to be a bunch of alphas on this side, and what is that going to look like for you? How are you going to respond? And for the Dolphins, it's just not there for them. This is not a very talented team up front with that offensive line. Uh, four sacks for Tua. He was pressured all day long. Really only had one interception, but it should have been a couple others that were dropped by Tennessee defenders. Uh, but no rushing game for Miami. Really hasn't been much of a rushing game all season long. 16 carries collectively, 74 yards. That's been the story of the season. A lot of it's because that offensive line, it's a very young offensive line, experienced offensive line, and not a very good offensive line. And that really showed out today. Tennessee dominated on both sides of the ball at the point of attack. Their defensive line, as well as their offensive line, hammering the football the way that they did. 40 carries rushing the ball for 198 yards, basically five yards per carry rushing the ball and that's where they dominated both in the trenches offensively and defensively today yeah I'm kind of kicking myself I made that teaser play on the Dolphins up to nine and a half and the more I looked at this game especially on our show on Saturday it it just felt like a Tennessee Titans type of game and I think the weather kind of you know lent lent itself to that perception you have a warm weather team in the Miami Dolphins coming to Nashville on a really unseasonably cold day. I believe it was about 40 degrees. I thought there was maybe even a chance of snow 
in the forecast. That did not come to fruition. And, you know, I, I think it's sometimes overblown that you have a warm weather team going to play in a cold place. But I, I also think at the same time, you know, more often than not, it seems like we do see see uh, teams stub their toe in conditions like that. And absolutely the Miami Dolphins did. And, and again, the other side is it just felt like everything was conducive for Tennessee's style. You talk about the physicality and the weather and the running game and everything. It, it just felt like Tennessee was absolutely the right side in this game, and certainly they were, 34-3, to your final. Uh, Tennessee will go on the road to Houston next week. Uh, Houston was made a six-point underdog in this game over the summer. The Patriots uh, will go down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Dolphins back at home in that warm weather that has given the Patriots fits over the years. The Dolphins were made a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game over the summer. And, James, when we get to this time of the year, uh, you often have situations for teams, and I'm sure we'll have some next weekend, where a particular team is in a must-win situation to have a chance to make the postseason. And I typically like to bet against those teams. I, I learned long ago, if you must win, you must not be that good. You wouldn't have put yourself in this position if you're any good. The better teams that are are good are, are already you know in position to, they're already in the postseason, what have you. They don't have a must win situation. But the situation for Tennessee is not necessarily must win. They're already in. They, they're already a good team. They're just trying to capture the number one seed. Yeah, and that's where the must win is let's give ourselves a bye, and that's the only team that's going to get the bye is the number one seed in either conference because they've added on that seventh playoff team. So plenty of incentive going forward for the Tennessee Titans and probably some optimism. You you were talking about it earlier, uh, discussion about Derrick Henry. Can he, will he be able to get back onto this team come playoff time? Well, and if you get the bye, that shortens another game that you have to play in another week of rest and health and and recuperation for Derrick Henry if he is able to come back. And I think that's the key here, thinking about where the Titans are. I don't think the Titans are the best team in the AFC, but you get down here now and you get that first round by. Now you only have to play. You're going to be the, the road to the Super Bowl goes through Tennessee if, in fact, that's what happens. You don't have to play that first game. And you're built when it comes to the rushing game. Even if Derrick Henry comes back, he's not going to be anywhere close to it. At least there's going to be time that he's going to have to reacclimate himself to the speed of the speed of the game, and then the speed of the uh, the tempo and the speed of playoff football is another gear you know that he's going to have to ratchet up towards. But I think for the Tennessee Titans here, just the 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 toughness of this team. That's what I like to see out of teams when they're rolling into the playoffs. And I know. A team like Cincinnati, they're fun to watch, and they can throw the ball over the yard and spectacular playmakers outside with Jamar Chase and the toughness and competitiveness of Joe Burrow. But you got to be able to run the football and, and have some, whether it was bad weather like it was today in Tennessee or just the fact that you've just got to have some toughness about your team that it will have show out some physicality because as the playoffs go on, we know we know the full season, the the, the length of the season, Brady, is a game of attrition. Then you get into the playoffs, and even more so because you get into another gear as far as the speed and the physical nature of the playoffs. Sitting on Tennessee and where they're at right now, and I think the confidence that they had. They both, they've beaten Kansas City at home. They've also beaten the Buffalo Bills at home. If this team gets the number one seed, I don't think, again, that they're the best team in the AFC, but the way that they're built, they're going to be a tough outcome come playoff time. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And we'll see just when and if Derrick Henry comes back. The speculation has been that he will be available for the playoffs. It would probably help a heck of a lot if they did have that first week off in the postseason. If they get that bye, if they get that number one seed and they give Derrick Henry an extra uh, extra week to rest, that would be a big deal for this Tennessee team. And I completely agree with you, James. I don't think they're the best team in the AFC either. I I would probably take a handful of teams over the Tennessee Titans, uh, you know, in the AFC to come out of that conference. But you're right. When they add Derrick Henry, it, it gives them a very different element that we haven't seen now for what seems like about 10 weeks. Uh, they will welcome him back with open arms for sure. Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. The Minnesota Vikings start on offense in the second half. I mentioned they were catching three and a half points for the second half line, the total at 20, and their first drive stalls as they are forced to punt, trailing the Green Bay Packers 20-3, to still about 11 and a half minutes left. Make that 13 and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Aaron Rodgers and company go back out on offense, nursing a 17-point lead in Sunday night football. We'll be right back with more on the Pro Football Blitz. Keep it here at VSIN. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. 
The final game in the early window on Sunday was a dandy. The Baltimore Ravens hosting the Los Angeles Rams. It was four losses in a row against four wins in a row. The Rams closed as seven-point favorites with a total of 46.5. It was much earlier in the week that the Rams were just about a three- or four-point favorite. And then the money continued to trickle in over the weekend, again, finally closing as seven-point road favorites. Matthew Stafford threw his league-leading fourth pick six in this game, James, and the Ravens were really in control for most of this game because of the turnovers from Stafford. They went into the half leading 13-7, to but Stafford redeemed himself in the second half, a touchdown drive in the final minutes. He finds OBJ for a game-winning score. 20 to 19, your final. A heck of an effort by the Ravens, but they come up short once again. That is now five losses in a row, five wins in a row for the Los Angeles Rams. The Ravens not yet quite eliminated at eight and eight on the season. The Rams on top in the NFC West at 12 and four with two really big wins in a row on the road over Minnesota and now Baltimore. Big wins for sure, and, and beating this, I mean, Beating this Ravens team, this was just the team that all season long, it's been the story of the season where they're competing, they're fighting, they're battling, they're they're the more physical, tougher team out there, but because of the attrition of the roster, just don't have enough playmakers on either side of the ball due to the, all the injuries to be able to sustain and make plays to to kind of complement the effort that we see out of this team. And that's the, that's the unfortunate part for Harbaugh's Ravens is, yeah, they mathematically still have an opportunity but too many things have to go right for them to be able to get in and and I think for for the Rams that's really more so yeah the fact that they're able to come back and win in the fourth quarters outscored outscored the Ravens 13 to 3 in that fourth quarter to win that football game and and, and, but Matthew Stafford I think this team has taken on the identity of uh, with Stafford at the helm that it's going to be a pass first offense there's just no it's a very finesse team and I think even though you think about some of the star power defensively Aaron Donald that's not somebody we'd ever think of this is a finesse player by any means whatsoever <laughs> but uh it just it just feels like that's kind of the identity of this team is we're going to spread you out and we're going to be better we're going to have more talent than you and we're going to be more creative than you with our play calling and we'll be able to just be able to to make more plays over the course of of 60 minutes because we just have better talent than what you do on that side but there's there's an element to football about toughness and I just don't see it with this Rams team and it starts at the line of scrimmage it's not a very good offensive line it's kind of an older offensive line especially on that left side but it's not a power offensive line by any means. It's a finesse offensive line. It's all about stepping back onto your heels and, and pass protection and pass blocking. And, you know, it's just not a team that's built in my mind to be able to carry out through, through three rounds of the playoffs to win football games, especially having to go on the road because it's such an imbalanced offense and it all falls here on Matthew Stafford. And we've seen it. I think there's a lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford. We brought you in. You were the missing piece. We did what we had to do and, and put a, you know, we, we traded away our multiple picks, et cetera. And you were the winning piece for us. The last piece of the puzzle to get us over the hump, to win the super bowl. And he, I feel like he plays with that pressure on his shoulders. He has not performed well. Another pick six like you talked about. Two interceptions today. Another fumble today as well. Not making good decisions. Not playing with a lot. Not throwing the ball with a lot of accuracy. And 
And that's what's probably most concerning here, Brady, is thinking about where the Rams go. Yes, they've been impressive to come back and be at 12-4, and four, but you're beating up on some teams like the Ravens that just didn't have the talent level to be able to compete with you for 60 minutes. That's not going to be the case come playoff time. The Rams will finish the season hosting the San Francisco 49ers at SoFi Stadium. The Rams were made three-point home favorites over the summer. Baltimore will close out the regular season at home, welcoming the Pittsburgh Steelers to town. The Ravens opened as five-and-a-half-point favorites in that one back in June. That ought to be an interesting game between the Niners and the Rams, James. Uh, The Rams... uh, you know, they could uh, win the division with a win. I guess that's how it works out. I'm not sure about the tiebreaker scenario there with the Arizona Cardinals. San Francisco did clinch a playoff spot today. They cannot win the division. Um, but I imagine San Francisco is going to want to win this game. Uh, it would be a season sweep over the Los Angeles Rams. And for many years, Kyle Shanahan really has been able to figure out Sean McVay. That's uh, certainly one nut he's been able to crack. Yeah, it sure is. And we talk about the physical nature of certain teams and the finesse nature, in a sense, that I think the Rams are. That's the complete opposite when we think about the 49ers and their offense and the physicality that they want to be when it comes to running the football, whether it's Trey Lance back there, a young rookie quarterback if he has to play next week, or Jimmy Garoppolo. The more they can take the ball out of their quarterback's hands when they're throwing it and get out there to rush the football, that's what San Francisco wants to be. And I think we, with Elijah Mitchell being able to come back into the fold today, I think that's key for San Francisco to be able to open up some of that play-action pass that they were able to do in the second half against the Houston Texans today. Yeah, we'll see where that shakes out. We'll see how all the playoff scenarios play out over the course of next week to to really dig into making sure teams are going to be motivated to play, teams are going to play their full allotment of players. Big handicap. We always know the last week of the season, Brady, is really challenging to find out, to, to really rest assured, does this team care about their current seeding? Because somebody like the Rams, yeah, they're not going to be in, uh, they're not going to be the number one seed overall, but can they win that division? So a lot of different things to play out, but I think that San Francisco game, you talked about it, they know how to play tough against the Rams, and I think a lot of it is because of their commitment to the running game. All right, the 7-8 and eight Denver Broncos were in Los Angeles taking on the 8-7 and seven L.A. Chargers. The Chargers closed as eight-point favorites in this game with a total of 45. Uh, I thought Denver was going to be the right side in this game early in the week, and then the news came through with all the COVID players, uh, key players that the Denver Broncos were missing due to COVID. I thought Teddy Bridgewater would probably be back. He is not. He is still dealing with a concussion. Drew Luck got the start and he wasn't too bad. James 19 to 26 for 245 yards and a touchdown. But again, once again, the running game was non-existent and you're going against the Las Vegas Raiders last week. Their rushing defense is 25th in the league. The Chargers are worse than that against the run. And it was 24 carries in total for a total of 73 yards for both Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon combined. Uh, this offense just could not find anything, any sort of rhythm through the air or on the ground. 34-13, to 13, your final. This one was all Chargers all day long. Uh, in the process with the Chargers getting the win, they eliminate the Cleveland Browns from the postseason. And L.A. is back in the fold at 9-7. and seven. 
you can say, looking at Drew Locke's stats, okay, he might have had a good game here, but a lot of that came in the second half, a lot of garbage time. They were down 17-3 to where the Denver Broncos had an opportunity in that first half, latter part of the first half. Really weird play design. This it was like a it was a reverse. Was it a double reverse? Trying to throw the ball out to 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 Drew Lock, which they did, and then he got cracked on fourth and goal, trying to get in. I, I don't under, I didn't understand the play calling. It almost I think feels that like James and, was a a Philly special that was not too special. <laughs> that was well, not executed very well at all. Yeah, Philly special lacking the hot sauce and any creativity <laughs> to it because it, it, you got to think about this what. Yeah, you want to be the stronger point of attack, rushing the football, but they've gotten away from that with Drew Locke at the quarterback position. I, I, again, I just I'm speculating. I can't imagine this would be the case, but it just feels like the the Pat Shermer and they don't. I've said it plenty on this show when we've talked about breaking down the Broncos with Drew Locke over the last couple of weeks that there's definitely a disconnect and a dislike between that coaching staff and Drew Locke. It's not from this year; it's from last year and some issues that went on off the field, social media, other things got involved with families. And it feels like they want to sabotage them. They are not, they're wanting to win with their defense, not with the offense. They had been winning and at least been competitive with their offense because they were rushing the football with Gordon and Williams, and they've gotten away from that and wanted to put the ball in Drew Locke's hands, and that's just not somebody that they believe in. It's not somebody that the team believes in. Coming up, thinking about next week, uh, they're going to play Kansas City. Not sure where Kansas City is going to be. Uh, you know, a lot of scenarios have to play out for them to be that number one seed. But I think here for this Denver Broncos team, I don't know if they have the quarterback, the quarterback currently on their roster. I don't think that's what they're going to move forward with into next season. I don't think the quarterback for 2022 is on this roster. Even if Teddy Bridgewater comes back, does he play in this game? He's a lame. He's in a lame duck status with a one-year contract. Uh, I don't even know if he does. Does he want to come out and play? I don't know if this team wants to play. Considering how they performed today, the lack of competitiveness on either side of the football for this Denver Broncos team, I'd be absolutely shocked if we see a, a, a competitive effort out of them come next Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's it's just really been wild the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I thought they were the right side against the Raiders. Uh, I, I did not bet them today after all the COVID news, but uh, early in the week, I thought they were the right side this week. Um, and they have absolutely, uh, you know, just li- they look like the Jaguars that they've mailed it in. Yeah. It's very interesting, that switch of quarterback, how it's really switched the psyche of this team. The Chargers will finish the season right here in Las Vegas. A good one with playoff picture on the line there for the Raiders. The Raiders were made a one-and-a-half-point favorite in that game over the summer. The Denver Broncos, as you mentioned, James, they will return home to host the Kansas City Chiefs. The Packers are in the end zone again. Minnesota back. Back on offense, 27-3, Green Bay. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Sign up for a play card, debit MasterCard, and get paid faster than a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with play card. Visit playcard.com today to apply. Subject to card activation and ID verification, terms and costs apply. The card issues by Metabank NA, member FDIC. 
The Green Bay Packers starting to run away with this. A big difference, uh, certainly, in the game that Kirk Cousins is not there at quarterback for the Vikings. 27-3. Now the Packers out in front with about seven minutes left in the third quarter at Lambeau Field. The Green Bay Packers in the live market, nearly a 30-point favorite. 29.5-point favorites on the live line. Your total just about where we started, a tick higher at 44.5 for your live total. Uh, continuing to look at the afternoon slate of games, James, the Houston Texans had won two games in a row. The 49ers were on extra rest, having lost to the Tennessee Titans last Thursday. Uh, Trey Lance got the start at quarterback in for the Im- uh, injured Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, I was kind of surprised. The Niners were a big favorite, already about 12.5-point favorites, and they saw more money come in on Sunday morning, closing as 13.5-point favorites. I even saw some 14s out there with a total of 44.5. And nothing much going for either side in the first half, but the Texans had the lead 7-3. to three. And then in the second half, the Niner defense really got going. They had an interception, and then they sacked Davis Mills that eventually forced a missed field goal. And that was really the beginning of the end for the Houston Texans, turning that missing that field goal really like a turnover there. San Francisco went down to score. Couple touchdown passes for Trey Lance. He was 16 of 23 for 249 yards. Uh, San Francisco clinches the playoff spot with a win, 23 to 7, your victory for San Francisco, covering the number, and the game stays under the total. Getting their rushing game going, I think that's really was the benefit for Trey Lance in the second half. Yeah, and, and to be expected, hadn't we hadn't seen Trey Lance on the field since early October, and to come out now and you've got to put the pressure on the line to you got to win to get in kind of deal for the playoffs. Now, granted, you are playing the Houston Texans, who have shown some competitive spirit over the last couple of weeks, but don't have the talent level that we've seen that that most teams that the 49ers have faced and in particular that Trey Lance have had to face in the few games that he did get on the field for early in the season but once that running game was able to get going in Elijah Mitchell and I think that was a big key here for the San Francisco 49ers to have consistency back running the football I know Elijah Mitchell is a young running back but uh, Shanahan really trusted him, and he really loves the the fact that he understands how to run behind the blocking scheme that Shanahan pushes out there, and and that opened up some plays in the passing game, big play over the top later in the contest to Debo Samuel for a touchdown, forty five yard TD, I believe it was, and and being able to just get that consistency where you're going to draw those safeties up in the box. You're going to be able to suck those linebackers up a little bit and start to grind on teams too with that running game. And I think that's the other piece too, is, is the fact that there's some attrition that comes involved with that, not only for time of possession, those types of things, the amount of plays, but more so just the physical nature of what that applies to your defense. Because I think most teams just aren't used to having to play teams that are physical having to stop physical run teams. I mean, guys don't practice. Rarely do they even get in pads. They rarely hit each other anymore. And now it's hard to simulate what that physicality is going to look like come game time. And that's what the San Francisco 49ers will challenge you with each and every time. So getting Elijah Mitchell back now for this final run into the playoffs is really key for San Francisco to establish and continue with that consistency of their run game. So that's going to be a... It's going to be interesting to see. I'm really looking forward to next week's game. We, it's going to be a contrast in such styles, right, when you're thinking about San Francisco playing the L.A. Rams. In my opinion, it's it's finesse. It's it's the betas versus the alphas here 
And I really like to side with those teams that are just tougher at the point of attack, and that's what the San Francisco 49ers are. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell, 119 yards rushing in that offensive attack for San Francisco today. Uh, As you mentioned, the 49ers, they will travel south to take on their division rival in the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, The Rams were made three-point favorites uh, back in the summer when these lines came out. Houston will close out at home, and they can try and play spoiler there. The Tennessee Titans will be in Houston. The Titans were made a six-point road favorite uh, in the season finale there in the AFC South. The Arizona Cardinals, they had lost three straight games. They were in Dallas to face the Cowboys, and the Cowboys closed as six-and-a-half-point favorites and a big total here of 53. James Conner, we talked about that on the preview show. That was a big piece. Uh, He did not suit up for Arizona still with that lingering heel injury, but the Cardinals, uh, they jumped on it quickly and got out to a 10-0 lead, but then it was Dak Prescott hooking up with Michael Gallup for a score right before the half to get on the board. Then Arizona added a 53-yard field goal as time ran out in the first half, and they did the double dip. They came out and got the ball in the second half and scored again. The Cowboys did get a touchdown to begin the fourth quarter, and it was 22-14 Arizona out in front. Then Arizona forced a fumble of Dak Prescott, and they turned that into a field goal. Now 25-14. to 14. Dallas came back the other way. Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper, plus a two-point conversion. And with five minutes left in this game, James, this thing was getting pretty wild. Dallas was only trailing by three points at this point in the game. Again, late in the fourth quarter, about four minutes left when Arizona got the ball back with a 25-22 to 22 lead. And that drive to close out the game by Arizona was very impressive. We talked about it a little earlier. Kyler Murray was really good today, but that last drive to close out the game, they got down eventually into the red zone of Dallas and just ran out the clock, never let Dallas see the ball again, and they win this thing. They move to 11-5 and on the season due to the Cardinals. They are now 8-1, and James, on the road. This team loves being out of Glendale. Well, and they were the tougher, they were the more physical team on both sides of the football, and they were the better coach team today on both sides of the football. I think for for the Dallas Cowboys, didn't look like they were very prepared. This was a team that just felt like, we do what we do, and you're going to have to stop us. Well, there was no adjustment to be made for the Cowboys. Yeah, I know they made they finally woke up in that fourth quarter, but the, the score is not indicative of the, how close this game was or not so close, really. I mean, it was the Cardinals dominated this game from start to finish, and I think it was... The coaching acumen for both sides, thinking about the, our, the Cardinals offense. And we know you got to contain Kyler Murray within that pocket. And Dallas has a very ferocious pass rush. They're finally healthy across that defensive front line. But they're also very aggressive and they're speed rushers. And I think Arizona did a really good job of whether it was going to be draw plays, delay plays, or screen plays outside of those ta- outside of the tackle boxes to really take advantage of uh, the aggressive nature of that pass rush from the Dallas Cowboys offensively. They did a great job from that. I think on the defensive side, which was more impressive for me, considering the fact that Arizona was missing a couple corners. They were missing Marcus Golden, who leads the team in sacks. They were shorthanded going into this matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. And you saw out of of, uh, coordinator Joseph that every front, I mean, they 
showed so many different pressure fronts. Doesn't mean that they were coming all day long after the quarterback, but they showed so many different fronts at the line of scrimmage that it was constantly the Cowboys. There's Dak Prescott reaching, pointing out this, that, and the other, having to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage, telling me that they weren't prepared for that. They weren't prepared to see these different pressure fronts and to know where to go. He had to continually call, check out of plays, do these different things that really dragged. It was the, the play clock would run short. They were really feeling like they were rushed. It felt like the Cowboys were constantly in a hurry at the line of scrimmage, having to make adjustments on the fly based on the different fronts that they were shown. And the Cardinals, Cardinals did a masterful job of disguising different coverages. And then ultimately, I just felt like they were the more physical team. I think for the Cowboys on that defensive side, love the defensive pass rush, the athleticism, the speed, and the physicality they'll bring and get after the quarterback. But that secondary not a physical secondary They're They can't get off blocks. So they were getting pushed down the field on any stretch run plays that Arizona was running. And they're not physical in the tackling game. They're not going to come up and be able to, to come up and, and tackle in space. And so it was very, uh, very soft coverage when it comes to the physical nature of the, of the game from that Dallas Cowboys secondary. You saw Diggs get bit on a double move early in that game again. His aggressiveness came back to bite him in this contest, and I think that was so much of that was preparation and coaching. So I think hats off to the Arizona Cardinals on both sides of the football. From a coaching perspective, they completely outclassed the coaching staff for the Dallas Cowboys. I, I think it is good to see this team get back on track, and uh, you know, it just makes for a more exciting tournament when we do get to the postseason. But you and I talked about it on Saturday. I felt this was a classic case where the stock was really high on one team, that being the Cowboys, and the stock could not be much lower on the Arizona Cardinals having lost three straight. And maybe that influenced the line. Uh, I, I thought the line at six points was pretty high. And uh, sure enough, it was a good time to buy low on the Arizona Cardinals. We also talk about them, you know, having so much success on the road. Sometimes it's really, you know, when there's expectations, uh, which really started to surface for this team before they lost those three games in a row. Those expectations really peak when you're at home. And I think this team, an underdog on the road, that's their comfort zone right there. Uh, they will return to Glendale to finish the regular season. They'll host the Seattle Seahawks. Arizona opened as a two-point home favorite over the summer. Dallas will travel to take on the Philadelphia Eagles in an NFC East division tilt in Week 18. We'll be right back with more in a moment. It's the Pro Football Blitz at VSIN. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. 
If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. You can catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcasts and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights with Josh Applebaum, plus Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all for free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Minnesota Vikings, Bradbury for 21. That's one of the biggest plays of the game for the Minnesota Vikings. Sean Mannion throws over the middle to his tight end. He gets cracked by one of the defensive backs for the Packers. The ball flies out back towards the line of scrimmage, and Bradbury, one of the offensive linemen for Minnesota, rambles the other way for 21 yards, and the Minnesota Vikings are now in the end zone. Eight plays on that drive. And they have cut the margin to 20 points. They trail 30-10, to 10, trailing the Green Bay Packers now with just about a minute to go in the third quarter. That really sparked the drive for Minnesota and Sean Mannion, James. Hey, you never know where motivation's going to come from, right? <laughs> it's going to be your center catching a ball and making the biggest play of the game so far for, for the Vikings. And, I mean, now we end of the end the quarter, 30-10 to 10 lead for the Green Bay Packers. And right now, I think both teams, yeah, Minnesota, you're seeing that soft coverage here for the Green Bay Packers on that last drive in particular, like we saw at the end of the second quarter to close out the half with the 51-yard field goal for the for the Minnesota Vikings to put some points on the board here. It's going to come down to just get through it, get over it, and let's move on to next week. And I think it's so cold out there. I just think for both teams here, that's – I'm still I, – I figured I was already done with that Aaron Rodgers prop. It's still alive a little bit, but I think this might be the last drive for him. He'll top that one – we can close out Sunday night football as far as my betting prowess is concerned. The uh, live line, the Green Bay Packers up by 20 points. They are a 20 and a half point favorite in the live market. Your total now up to 49 and a half. This game just a field goal away from going over the original total prior to kickoff. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, they were out for some same season revenge hosting the Carolina Panthers. If you remember, Carolina beat New Orleans way back in week two. The New Orleans Saints closed as seven-point favorites in this one, a very low total at 37, and that total was uh, that was prophetic as it was very lethargic for both of these teams on offense, not only in the first half, but really all day long. Both teams in the first half combined for four field goals. Chuba Hubbard for Carolina had the only touchdown in the first half, and it was 10-9. to Carolina had a lead after one half of football, and the defenses continued to dominate a couple of anemic offenses in the second half, and it was the Carolina Panthers who ended up having a chance down 18-10 to 10 with two minutes left, but Sam Darnold threw yet another interception, and the New Orleans Saints hang on 18-10, to 10, your final. They get to 500 on the season, now at 8-8, eight and eight. And this was another team, James. There were a couple others earlier in the early window, and yet another team here in the Carolina Panthers who was shut out for the entire second half. Yeah, it's just this was a team where they committed to going back to Sam Darnold after having to go through whether it was P.J. Walker or Cam Newton. It's just been an off uh, offensive struggle all season long at the quarterback position. And, and I think that was going to be a sense where New Orleans getting everybody back for this matchup and – because of the COVID issues that they have on Monday Night Football, 20 players didn't play collectively from that roster. Well, that team was, for the most part, that defense was back intact again for this game. 
and thinking about that defense and what they did just a couple Sunday night football games ago where they shut out Tom Brady and the pressure that they put on him. That's where I, I went with that that Sam Darnold, his passing yard total at 196, whatever that was. Got a little hairy in the first quarter because he went down. It was like five for five for 55 yards on that first drive that Trooper Hubbard finished for a touchdown. But, but ultimately, nothing happened from there. He got beat up today, and that was really what I was looking at was that pressure was going to come. It's not a good offensive line for the, for the Carolina Panthers. They don't rush the football. That first matchup when they beat New Orleans in week two, they did have – Christian McCaffrey, both running and receiving the football. He had over 100 yards collectively in that game. Well, they didn't have that opportunity today, that option. And Sam Darnold just took a beating today. He had seven sacks. He was hit five other times. I thought he was hit more than that. He really just took a hammer today. And toughness, hats off to the toughness for Sam Darnold, but it's just so hard. When you're facing that type of pressure coming at you, there's no sense of a running game whatsoever to to try to keep that that sec or that that pass rush off balance a little bit and keep them honest. No honesty today. They were flat out getting after it and they avenged that loss back in week two. And here I think for the Carolina Panthers, it's more so what is this team going to look like in the offseason? Who's the quarterback going to be? Who's the coach going to be potentially? I don't know. Does Matt Rule come back or not? Discussion for another time, I think. But for the New Orleans Saints, this was a team, an opportunity for them to to get back after it, just considering the fact that they didn't have their roster anywhere close to being intact on Monday night. Probably feeling a little embarrassed, the fact that you lost at home the way that you did to Miami, knowing full well you didn't have the, your, your full complement of players. Well, they got after it today, and I'm sure they, they, were, they were taking it easy in the Big Easy and NOLA tonight, having some fun, knowing that they really got after it against that Carolina Panthers offense. The Saints will travel to Atlanta in Week 18. The Falcons were installed as one-point favorites back in June. Carolina will visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week. The Panthers opened as six-and-a-half-point road underdogs when the lines came out over the summer. We'll see where that one closes. Not sure if Tom Brady will even play in that game. The Lions at the Seahawks and the Seahawks closed as nine point favorites here. They were about a six and a half or seven point favorite for most of the week and then saw a lot of money on Sunday morning and it was money well spent. Your total closed at 41 and a half. Jared Goff out of the lineup for Detroit at quarterback for the second straight week. Tim Boyle gets the start and uh, the gritty gutty Detroit Lions James uh, they didn't really have that competitive magic today uh, this was the Rashad Penny show uh, out in the Pacific Northwest the young man from San Diego State 144 yards rushing on 16 carries with two touchdowns and that was just in the first half Seattle went to the locker room up 31 to 7 now Detroit tried to make it interesting in the second half it looked like Uh, The Seattle Seahawks, for a third time at home, might blow a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. 45-29, the uh, Lions were trailing by just 15 points. Make that 16 points with seven minutes to go. But the Seahawks added a couple field goals uh, for icing on the cake here. 51-29, your final. And the Seahawks roll as the game goes well over the total. And this is the game we talked about with potentially Russell Wilson as well as Bobby Wagner. Would this be their last home game as a Seattle Seahawk? We'll find out here in the offseason, but I think they were both, unfortunately for Bobby Wagner, he got hurt early in that contest uh, and did not return, I don't believe. But 
was Russell Wilson going to go out? How was he going to go out? And then you get to face a Detroit Lions defense that hadn't stopped many too many passing attacks all season long. Yeah, Rashard Penny had a big day rushing the football, but so did Russell Wilson throwing the football. He easily went over that one and a half mark for touchdowns. He had, I think, he had three at halftime, whatever it was. That was he had four for the game, and really it was garbage time in the second half. Seattle was up thirty-one to seven at the half, and, and I think for Detroit, you know, they're. The fight was there. The the heart was there. We've seen that each and every week, but you still have to have some type of talent. When you have the other side here with the Seattle Seahawks, they were not going to go out the way that they did last week in that loss to the Chicago Bears. And if, in fact, this is Russell Wilson's last game as a Seattle Seahawk at home, hey, hats off to him. Great career there as a Seattle Seahawk. If he ends up in another uniform next season and a great way to go out, he had a sensational game today as well. Yeah, I forgot you had that player prop on Russell Wilson as well. Yeah, you nailed those with Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Tua Tangavaloa, and Joe Burrow. Nice uh, job there. Uh, Let's take a look at the Monday Nighter here real quick, James, while we have about a minute left. And I think it's worth noting this line has really moved. Uh, Of course, the Cleveland Browns were three or three and a half point favorites uh, on the road at Pittsburgh for most of the week. But with Cleveland being eliminated from the postseason today with that Los Angeles Chargers victory, We've seen the line affected in this game. Uh, it's pick them pretty much across the board here in Las Vegas, and I'm even seeing one shop that has the Steelers as a one-point favorite, 41 and a half for your total. Any last-minute opinions here before we hand it over to Matt Humans and Jonathan Von Tobel? Yeah, I don't. I haven't gotten involved in this game. Now you've missed the number if you wanted to get Pittsburgh and had them plus three and a half. Now the fact I I do see some ones in favor of the Steelers as well out here in Colorado, Brady, and uh, it's always hard for me to get involved now if that was the side you wanted to go with and you look at Pittsburgh and now that Cleveland's out of it. Where's Cleveland's head coming into this game? I mean, it is a divisional game. These teams don't like each other in the AFC North, regardless of who's matching up against each other, but. You know, with the Browns now being eliminated and potentially Big Ben's last game at home as a Pittsburgh Steeler, you got to favor the Steelers in that matchup and considering the secondary is really beat up for the Cleveland Browns. And then what kind of offense are we going to see? Are they going to continue to give it to Baker Mayfield to throw interceptions? Are they going to go back to the running game? I don't know what to expect from the Cleveland Browns. I'll probably just play it in-game if I do anything at all. I told you I like to go against a must-win team, which would be going against Pittsburgh, but the Big Ben factor being his last game, that has me staying away. That is going to do it for us. Thank you to our technical crew. Thank you to our producer, Dan Miller. Next up, the opening line show right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.